The Hope Abed Tang Humanism and Healthcare Essay Contest is held each year by the Arnold P. Gold Foundation, a nonprofit that champions humanism in healthcare. The contest offers a quote to prompt medical and nursing students to reflect on the impact of the human connection in healthcare. In 2020, the quote came from the memoir In Shock by Dr. Rena Odish. Medicine cannot heal in a vacuum. It requires connection. The Gold Foundation is delighted to join academic medicine in sharing these winning essays with you. Hi, I'm Emily Friedman, a nurse practitioner student from Vanderbilt University, and I'll be reading my essay entitled In Good Hands, which placed first in the 2020 Hope Babette Tang Humanism in Healthcare Essay Contest and was published in Academic Medicine. Fresh pair of navy blue scrubs, squeaky clean clogs, hair neatly pinned. I look the part and yet am painfully aware. I know almost nothing. It's only my third week of nursing school clinicals and I feel as though I am merely acting a part in a complex play, slinging lines memorized the night before pouring over my textbooks. Fluid volume overload. 16 French Foley catheter, 18 gauge to the left AC. So far, today, I've managed to spill urine all down my scrubs, lock myself out of the EHR from too many failed password attempts, and give bed baths, none of which, I disparage myself, counts as a practice of medicine. This week, I'm assigned to Mr. S, a 62-year-old man admitted for congestive heart failure exacerbation. He is quiet. Stoic. His eyes kindle with warmth when he learns I am a student, and he is patient as I fumble through a physical assessment. How is he feeling this morning? Good. Does he need anything? No. I head back to the nurse's station, expecting a quiet day. A few hours later, as I return from lunch, the CNA grabs my arm. You're going to want to be there for this. Down the hall, my patient's room is the epicenter in a whirl of movement. We slide between a half dozen nurses speaking in staccato whispers, urgent and clipped. Inside the room, the eye of the storm is still quiet. There's no one else in here. Mr. S sits small, pale, heaving chest beneath thin hospital gown, oxygen tubing winding around his face. He's leaning forward on his hands, tripoding. We learned this descriptor in class, that it indicates severe trouble breathing. We haven't yet learned what to do. I see his oxygen saturation sliding ominously down, hovering to the low 80s. The nurses with poker faces on phones outside the door. Mr. S alone, fragile, panic stretching his forehead into deep creases. He's mouthing something. I approach the bedside and do the single thing I know how to do in this moment. I reach to hold his hand. You're doing great, the nurses call from outside his doorway. It feels like inside and out are two completely disparate worlds. Mr. S is whispering so quietly I can barely ascertain, help me, help me. My heart breaks in two. The respiratory therapist is on their way. You're doing great, echoes through the room. He is coughing deeply and I hand him a styrofoam cup. It is handed back to me full of frothy pink sputum. He gestures to my clipboard and I hand him my pad of paper and pen. He scribbles a phone number and a single word, 
daughter. And with that, I know that he knows what all of us are circling in our language, in our hushed words, in our worried faces. I urge this slip of paper on his nurse, but she's on the phone. The respiratory therapist arrives and places a face mask over his head. The oxygen is turned up and nebulizer mist fills the room with static. Mr. S's daughter appears at the door, shell-shocked, caught completely unaware of what she would be walking into. She runs to hold him and then pivots, heading directly to the bathroom. I hear her knees hit the floor behind the closed door and retching. I return to my post at the bedside, taking up his hand in mine once more, trying to convey some firm sense of assurance. His O2 sats have hit the 70s since the face mask. I am at a loss for anything else to do. A million terms of medical vernacular fill my brain. Flash pulmonary edema, rails, non-rebreather, and not one of them is useful in this moment. As we hold one another's eyes, his hand reaches for his oxygen mask, lifts it away from his face. Is he confused? Thank you for having compassion. The words are ecked out between heaving breaths. I am floored. His nurses are paging rapid response. A team of efficient, commanding doctors arrive like a waterfall, flooding the room with activity and noise. He is intubated, ventilated, wheeled away in a matter of minutes. I find myself once again alone in a quiet room, but those words are etched on my heart. A wise professor of mine compelled us all on our first day of training, know your superpower. She advised it may be the only thing to get you through the darkest of days. To be at the bedside during what is, for many patients, the worst day of their life is to have your share of dark days. As the semester progresses, so too does my skill. One by one, I place my first IV, administer injections and medications, pull stitches, handle chest tubes. Slowly, it begins to feel as though I am practicing medicine. But this I carry with me. It would never amount to anything without my superpower. I write this essay for Mr. S, whom I never saw again. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for this gift, for teaching me my superpower, and that everything I needed to heal was already in my hands. Mm -hmm.